I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. How are you all doing? I'm Stu Whiffin, one half of the presenting duo of the MMA Fan Podcast. The other half, the better half, Blake Harrison. Hello. Oh, thanks. That's very kind, the better half. Yeah, That's really lovely. I'm in a good mood. I'm yeah, in a good yeah. mood. Yeah. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I've just recorded a podcast and it was a cracker. Oh, oh yeah. Who was that with? No, I don't. I'm just playing. You know who it was because we've just finished the interview. I'll leave you to tell people who we chat to today. Oh, we've got a fantastic guest on today. Uh, UFC veteran turned PFL finalist, one fight away from a million dollars. He's one of the two Brits uh, mm. in the PFL finals. We've already had Brendan Lochnane on this show, so you can check that one out. But today, we've got the lightweight finalist, the guy that beat Anthony Pettis twice in about a seven-week period. Not once. Not once, but twice (laughs) in two different ways. What a legend. We've got Stevie Braveheart Ray on the show. And should we just get straight into it? Because it's a cracking chat. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Very good. We're all good, mate. We're all good. All the better for having you join us today. Um, Stevie, we're going to jump straight in. And, and I'm always interested to know sort of where the, the, the story started. And, 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 and what did, growing up, did you feel like you had to be able to sort of look after yourself? And, was, and if so, was you comfortable with conflict? And ultimately, I'm going to sort of lead this into how you ended up finding yourself involved in mixed martial arts. But sort of just tell me a little bit about growing up and what it was like. Yeah, so so I'm from a place called Fife. Um, it's closer to Edinburgh. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've lived in Kirkcaldy, Fife, pretty much all my life. Uh, I've, I've My family's not, you know, I've not got money in my family or anything, so we're brought up in council estate kind of house. Um and uh, yeah, I mean, growing up, uh, pretty much had to learn how to fight a little bit because you know, um, a little bit rough some of the areas uh, where I've lived. And uh, yeah, I got bullied for a little bit when I, when I was younger, um, probably because I was just so cheeky. Um, 
I probably deserved it a lot, but you know, I'd always be cheeky to the older, the older kids and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I ended up having to have a lot of fights. Um, you know, whether it was defending myself or, or you know, just getting into fights even before I started MMA. So fighting's been a part of my life since probably like the age of like ten, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so when did it get to the point where, you know, you, you, you're scrapping in the street to thinking, well, hang on a minute, you know, was was someone like, look, mate, you, you could do something really decent with what, you, you, know, you know, what you've got there. You need to get yourself in a gym. Like, how did that kind of part of the journey start? Uh, so it's quite funny because the guy I had my first ever fight with, um, like proper fight, um, I was in my front garden. Uh, I was maybe around... 10 I must have been 10 years old proper square go if you like how we call it um you know an arranged kind of fight he was my friend but you know we had had disagreements and we decided to fight um uh yeah it was then him years later that ended up saying you know I, at the time he was calling a cage fight and he was saying I've been doing this cage fighting stuff uh, you should come along you'd be really good at it because, uh, yeah, like, at that time, before I started MMA, I was getting into fights in the street, um, probably going down the wrong path, um, hanging around. I was just at that age, like, I was 18. Uh, I was 19 when I started MMA, but, you know, from the age of 16 to 19, you know, it was getting to the weekend. It was just a case of... It was living for the weekend, you know, doing whatever it was through the week. Uh and uh, drinking at the weekend and then getting into fights. Um, a lot of the time, you know, it was because my, my friends had maybe started something and I was kind of known as the one that would fight, so I'd end up being the one that's involved in the fight. Uh, it's funny, it's like a, it sounds like almost like a, one of those like action movies from the 80s. Is like, my nemesis when I was 10, but then later <laughs> in life... He guided me down the path to be a true fighter. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it sounds like to me. It should be like a, with like synth music in the background, like one of those like 80s action films. That's what I think your life might be, Stevie. I, I, remember, uh, I remember the first time I ever went to training because I'd bumped into this guy, Dean Crichton, his name is. Um, so I'd bumped into him for the second time. Uh, well, I bumped into him every now and again, but I remember the first time he was telling me to come along, try the, the MMA or the cage fighting. He, he explained it to me, and I, you know, I was like, yeah, maybe. You know, I, I didn't really watch it or anything. I wasn't really ever into watching boxing or fighting, although I was fighting and you know getting myself into fights. I never really watched it, but uh, yeah, it wasn't until the second time he asked me to go along. I was like, you know what? I'm not doing anything tonight. Um, I'll come along. Um, I'll pick his up. Uh, yeah, and I remember it, it was in the place I first started training. It was in the guy's back garden, so it was like it was a private, it was a private club. He had like a a big hut slash log cabin in the back garden. You maybe fit ten people max, uh, and that'd be pretty crowded. And it's yeah. already sounding very Cobra Kai, by the way. Yeah. I'm loving this, even though <laughs> yeah. it really plays into the action story. Keep going. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was. Like, it was a private club. We went along. There was a, there was Dean, another guy. Uh, I think his name is Ian, and uh, and myself. And uh, 
Dean was like said to my coach at the time, Jim McKelvey, um, under Edge MMA. He was saying, "Oh, Jim, I've brought uh, this guy down, introduced introduced me." And Jim was actually a bit annoyed that Dean had brought me along without asking because it was like a private club; it wasn't a public club, and it was in it was in his back garden. Um, and uh, and yeah, like it was just fortunate that the class was wasn't busy that night. That because he actually told me I couldn't train, and he said, "Come back." This was this must have been around July or August. 2009 and he actually said to me like come back in a like October or something like that and um, come back when we're taking more people on um, and then the class ended up being quiet and he was like you know what you can join in um, right day one I was sparring um, yeah like I was doing a bit of boxing sparring MMA sparring I was rolling uh, you know, I was in a triangle and I was just fascinated. I just couldn't believe that, like, I just, because I, like I said, I was kind of, like, I was going to the gym, I was lifting weights, I was known for being a kind of tough guy in the area uh, because I had to get into fights and stuff. I was fighting at school a lot and uh, I just couldn't believe that, like, this guy, half the weight of me um, was, like, choking me. Uh, and and able to control me almost like he was stronger than me but he was like lifting weights I'd be able to lift way more weights than him but he was throwing me around and choking me and putting me in arm bars and that was it after that I was hooked um, I ended up uh, spewing in the guy's back garden uh, <laughs> I, 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 ate, uh, I ate too late I ate like pasta 10 minutes before training you know trying, trying to score <laughs> trying to scuff it down and uh yeah i spewed in the guy's plant pots um and then then i joined back and i was like oh, i'm good now like he told me just to sit the rest out i was like no no i'm good i can go again and i think he just see- liked what he seen because uh originally when he said i could join in he said you can join in today and if you like it you can come back in like october when we're taking people but by the end of the session i think he had liked like that i put a lot of hard work in he said, uh, "He said you can come back tomorrow." So it almost was like you know when you're watching Cry Kid or or uh, or what is it? Never back down. That uh, yeah yeah uh, movie, Never Back Down. But yeah, and then that was it. I just that's how I started training. Started training every day, and uh, yeah, when I like my when I first started training, I was actually on a electronic tag, um, uh, you know, like one of the ankle tags yeah that that because i'd been getting into trouble for fighting in the street uh and yeah that literally you know since that first day changed changed my kind of personality and just me as a person did the tag make it easier or harder for someone to get you in like a heel hook or something is that, <laughs> is that extra leverage <laughs> yeah that's that I, I had to actually I had been training for uh, maybe four or five months and I wanted a... So I got my first fight lined up in December 2009 and uh, we were trying to figure out if I could fight with this tag on. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, like I'm like, do I wear wrestling boots and just no kick? Because, you know, back then there was like... I, I'm sure I had seen somebody wearing wrestling boots before and they just weren't allowed to kick. Um, so, but yeah, and then I had to apply to the court to get my tag off to to then compete. Um, and when we went to court, 
with me and my lawyer had said, because uh, he, he was not very positive thinking I was going to get off. I told yeah. him it was for back then when we were calling it cage fighting. Yeah, like, can I get my tag off so I can go and fight in a cage? And uh, we decided to, you know, go down and say it was karate. Uh, and luckily we did. The, the the judge that eventually let me, you know, that decided to let me get the tag off, he had done karate back in the day, he said. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, he started with that, yeah. I know how uh, discipline, how much discipline it can teach you. And, you know, and I done karate back in the day. And I was like, yes, I'm in with one here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't believe you were contemplating having a fight with a tag on. That sounds absolutely mental. But it's a great thing that the judge realized it. Because it's true, isn't it? Like, you, 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 that's why a lot of us, like, I don't know, you, you've got kids, haven't you, Stevie? And, like, yeah, um, yeah you got in the background behind you there um, and uh, you know do you do you put them into little martial arts or will you when they're older because my, my daughter <laughs> does a little bit of jujitsu now and stuff and I think it's a great thing for kids to to learn a martial art for that kind of like discipline and respect and all that kind of stuff yeah I mean like I said MMA changed my not that I was ever a fug or a bad person but I was just you know full of nonsense like and never thinking about the consequences, um, you know. And I did. I was an active person. I did like to wrestle and fight a bit, and you know, just kind of be a a typical lad. But um, but yeah, like it totally changed me. Uh, like if I didn't start MMA, I maybe would have really went down the wrong path. Um, I feel like I've it's changed me as a person in so many beneficial ways. Um, so yeah, like my, I'd like, I'd like my kids to train. I, I don't know if I'd like them to compete, just because I obviously, yeah. I, just because I know the, you know, the maybe some of the negatives like getting hit in the head every week, or, or a lot. Um, it's not really good for your your brain, but there is a lot of positives like you know discipline and um, just your physical health, your mental health. Um, yeah, especially the mental health. I feel like, you know, a lot of people that do jiu-jitsu or MMA, like, they use it as a coping mechanism for yeah. dealing with, you know, anxiety or depression or, you know, just having uh, something to do in their life. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I totally agree, Stevie. I mean, like, I, I, I'm an old man, but I, I still try and have a, a, a little move about. And, and I find that that, that 15 minutes of, of, of sparring or even like half hour on the pads, I don't think about anything else. And I think that's so important that any worries or anxieties you've got, I find that when you're in, in a gym and if you're sparring or, or even just doing pads, I feel that like it's pure escapism. It's like you can only concentrate what's in front of you at that point. And that's a lovely way to kind of just dial out of, of day-to-day problems. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like I feel like exercise in general is really good for mental health like don't get me wrong like running on a treadmill and you know just going for it like having a you know pushing pushing yourself to a limit sometimes but what i find so fascinating and better about jiu-jitsu and why or or muay thai or striking mma whatever i feel like it's a lot more beneficial for mental health than like going to your typical gym because you have to concentrate so much like, you can go to the gym and run on the treadmill and still be thinking about all the yeah. depressing shit going on in life. Or, oh, 
And a lot of it's just caused by overthinking. So you can still yeah. you can still tend to think about that on a treadmill or you know, if if you're doing basic stuff like lifting weights, whereas if you go to a jiu-jitsu class and you're having to learn to put your arm here and then put your yeah. head here and then put your foot here, like it's so hard to think about anything else in life other than what you're being taught. Um, and don't get me wrong, there is some days where, you know, you're, you're daydreaming about, you're thinking about what you're having for your tea later uh, rather than concentrating on the technique. But um, <clears throat> yeah, that's what I, that's what I think with, you know, jiu-jitsu and MMA, it's so much more you have to focus and, and it's enjoyable more as well for me anyway. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk a little bit about your career, Stevie, because you're, you're not bad at all this fighting stuff, are you? You're, you're right at all this stuff. You, um, you're a, a Cage Warriors world champion at one point. And one thing I wanted to, to ask you was, in terms of like, you talk about the mental side of things and all that, in terms of uh, nerves or anxiety and stuff, what is more nerve-wracking? Fighting for a, a Cage Warriors world title or doing a debut in the UFC? Uh, to be honest, they were both. Uh, my my UFC de- debut was surprisingly not that nerve wracking. Um, I think is that a, because it was on short? Because no, you took it on about fifteen yeah. days' notice, didn't you? Yeah. Did it just give you no time to think about it, and that's why it wasn't so nerve wracking? So I think it's a couple of things. Like one, when I fought in my UFC debut. I thought it would be so much different to Cage Warriors, but because Cage Warriors had the had the you know the TV cameras, the lights, the crowd, when I came out to my UFC debut, it felt the same. It just literally felt like I was fighting on Cage Warriors. It didn't feel any different. Um, so that was one. I'm like, oh wait a minute, it's not it's not any different. But two, in the lead up when normally, like, when a lot of the anxiety and nerves would probably come in the lead-up to the fight, like you said, I had 33 pounds to lose. Um, and Fucking hell. 33 pounds I had, <laughs> and I only had 15 days. 15 days notice. It was the day after my birthday. I had just ate uh, pizza and birthday cake, and, you know, I was, uh, I was just kind of enjoying myself. I'd been in Newcastle the week before I got the call, um, cornered my teammates and I ended up absolutely hammered um, you know just because I never I never had any fights coming up I was just you know but uh, yeah I got the I got the call to make my UFC debut the guy I'm, I'm not sure who the guy was again but he was uh, he got injured and basically my manager said uh, you know you, you've, you've had a, an opportunity to fight in two weeks time in Poland at lightweight because we had actually been discussing earlier that day if I could make welterweight the the weight above and I was like I don't know I'm about 85 kilos um uh, cage warriors were down the pan at that point like we weren't sure what it was when like they weren't sure what was happening if it was ever gonna you know if it was like just ending I was the cage warriors champion and uh I just moved back home. My third child was due to be born um, April 15th. I had just got a full-time job as a fitness instructor um, or a kind of boot camp uh, trainer. And uh, it almost looked like, you know, I was going to maybe just start 
stop training less and start focusing on, you know, my, my career and providing for the kids and whatever. And then, uh, yeah, and then that's just opportunity came came aboard. But yeah, back to the kind of nerve part, like I think I was so focused on trying to make weight that I forgot about the fight because when my manager gave me the opportunity, I was like, there's no, I was like, no, I, I can't make weight lightweight in two weeks. There's no chance. Um, and I said, what, what is it? What's the opportunity? And he told me UFC Poland, it's a four fight contract. And I was like, right. I said, eh, well, what about if I just take the fight, I miss weight. Do I still have a contract after that? And they were like, well, yeah, I'd imagine so. So that was the plan. We 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 took yeah. the fight thinking I would miss weight. I would try and make it as close as I could. I'd then have a contract and hopefully they would understand it's two weeks notice when I did miss weight. And I absolutely starved myself for two weeks. Um uh, yeah, like thinking back to what I ate for two weeks, um, and how I managed to train twice a day. But yeah, I eventually made the weight. Um Wow. Yeah. And then that was that. Tell, tell me a little bit about the, the, the mental side of things. And, and you spoke about not having time to be nervous before that fight, but we're always interested to, to ask fighters about those, those moments before, before walking into, um, you know, walking into the, you know, the, the venue. I mean, I was, I was at UFC Scotland and I've never heard a crowd respond to hearing that crowd singing Stevie fucking Ray was unbelievable it was i literally getting goosebumps thinking about it now it was it was absolutely incredible um for instance being backstage at that show must have been special but just in general what is your procedure in the moments before you get the shout right we're going we're, we're walking out have you got a, a any kind of thing that you do a routine or are you just quite chilled like what what's the sort of process that stevie ray does Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Before making that walk 
Yeah, so to be honest, I've went through I've went through a lot of different kind of things. Um, obviously, the more experienced I get, I feel like I could deal with it a lot better now. Like even though I said I wasn't really nervous for my UFC debut, it's like that was maybe the only time I wasn't nervous. I I always shit myself before every fight. Like I, I'm scared, <laughs> I'm nervous. That fight, I think, was just I'm like, you know what? I took it on two weeks' notice. Even if I lose, you know, it's it's like. I, I I could say it was two weeks notice. Uh, you know, I never had a fight camp, and then I've got a, an opportunity after it. But um, yeah, I, I always I used to suffer a lot more. Like I'd be really really nervous before a fight, to the point that it would like drain me. Um, because I mean I'm not scared of getting hit. I'm not scared. Like, it's just scared of losing, scared of letting people down. And when I was selling, like when I was fighting in Newcastle and London, and I was selling like hundreds of tickets uh, to friends and stuff, and they were coming down and all the messages, and you're just scared to let everybody down. And um, but uh, I feel, I feel like you know, I've I've read a wee bit of books and stuff, and uh, I feel like I'm able to deal with it a lot better now. Like I know it's, I know it's normal. Even though I always knew it was normal, I could just deal with it better now. Like it's just, it's just, a, it doesn't matter um, what you kind of do. The nerves are going to come. It's just controlling them at the right time. I, I read the Fear Bubble, Aunt Middleton's book, um, when I was before I fought Michael Johnson, um, and I remember, so that helped me a lot, even in that fight. Uh, and he kind of explains. I don't know if you've read the Fear Bubble, but it just explains no. like fear. So he explains fear and he's saying like, he says like there's four different types of fear. There's fear of confrontation. There's fear of conflict. I can't remember the other two, but um, pretty much just dealing with fear. And uh, he said that like, so if you start thinking and dwelling on the fight and being really nervous when you're fighting next week and you're thinking about it all the time, it's going to drain you. By the time you get to the fight, you're going to have used all that energy and it's going to drain you. Um, so he speaks about being in the fear bubble. It's normal and being at the right time. So like what I, what I did before I fought Johnson, I basically said, look, anytime, because it does come up in your head, you know, you go through visions, even you get bad visions, you get, you know, you visualize it in your head, you get knocked out with a head kick, everybody's. Uh, so, yeah, it's just clearing that out of your head, um, just saying, you know what, it's no time to fight yet. There's no point in even thinking about it. Um, and, then, and then basically when it's the right time to think about it and get nervous, it's accepting that... Um, your body, because your body starts doing this thing like Cowboy Cerrone spoke about before, like he's hitting pads before a fight and he feels weak and he's no energy and it's no working right. And that's just all these nerves. Uh, so there's a, there's a certain point on the day of the fight where like just everything starts feeling a wee bit different. Uh, you, you start sweating more just sitting doing nothing. And, and that's your body preparing for because it knows what's coming. Um, so basically, it's about getting nervous at the right time, not getting nervous too early, almost like reassuring yourself. So I remember when I got to the fight day, I was like, I'm not going to get nervous yet and think about that yet because I'm, I'm co-main event when I fought Michael Johnson. The main card's not even started yet. So I'm, so I'm going to allow myself to start getting nervous. Like, 
And I, I can't remember, I, I chose like a certain fight where I was like, right, now it's time to think about it. Now it's time to get in the zone. There's a reason why I'm feeling nervous. Um, and it's because my body's preparing for battle. Uh, What's the techniques that you're using to, to stop being nervous? And so when those thoughts are going, in, going into your head, say like five hours earlier than you want them, what do you do to shut that down? You just remember yourself like, why are we going to get nervous now? We've still not even ate our last meal yet. Or we've still not even got to the venue yet. Um, so, like, why would... It's almost like re remembering yourself. There's no point in being nervous right now. Like, why are we nervous right now? We're not even at the venue. Um, but, I don't feel like I'd have that kind of control. I feel like but, my brain would be going, why, like, if, like, I know it's a very different, it's a very different thing because, you know, you're doing something that is, you know, technically life threatening, you know, when you're, you going in there and earning your, your money and doing these kind of jobs. If I go on stage in front of like a few hundred people, the worst that can happen to me is I fuck up and people think I'm shit at my job. That's, that's kind of the worst thing. It's not like, a, a, something that could impact me physically or long-term or anything like that. But I still will have moments where I'm like, oh, it's, it's press night. The media's all in to review the show or something. And I'm getting nervous, but I kind of feel like I, I, my brain would be going, oh, Blake, don't, don't worry. You've got like four hours before you're on. You haven't even finished the dress rehearsal yet. So don't get nervous yet. But then my belly would go, no, fuck off brain. We're getting nervous now. We're doing it now. We're releasing the butterflies now. It's all game over. Like, how, I, I don't know. It's in my head. There's got to be more to it than just saying to yourself. No, uh, I think, I think just the experience, like knowing that, you know what, like, so experiencing the whole thing as well. Like, cause I remember my first fight just before I explained that my first fight, I was so fucking scared. Uh, there was even thoughts going through my brain like maybe I could make someone up maybe I could say like you know I need to go home for someone like all yeah. your brain the chimp in your brain is just trying to find an exit like I didn't realise I would be so nervous and I'm like do I even want to do this fuck and then I, I remember I actually literally thinking before I'm fighting fuck why did I not stick in at school fucking literally before my first fight I'm like I should have stuck in more. Like uh, this is so <laughs> nervous. Like doing this and, uh, but yeah, like I think just experience because there's been times where I've been so nervous for a fight to the point like, like the Scotland fight, for example, that when I won by knockout, the first one, um, the first time they came to Scotland, I was so nervous. Uh, you know, almost probably the most nervous I've been for a fight because. All my fans were there. They're all wanting me to win. They're all cheering my name. And, and uh, yeah, I was just, I was really, and then I went and knocked the guy out in the first round. And so an experience like that, it almost, it almost trains your brain to think, this is on your head. Like, we were fine the last time. And then, and then mm. even the other side of that is, I've been on the other side of that where I've lost. And I've, and I've been beat. Or I've even been knocked out, and it's like it's not the end of the world. So it's, I feel like I used to put too much pressure on myself, thinking this is life or death. And to a point, you know, it is a very challenging thing to do, and it is a fight. And um, but it's not anywhere near as scary as going to like battle. Like these soldiers that are going to battle, they literally might not come back. They might die. 
they might get shot. So it's, it's almost like saying to yourself, worst case scenario, you're going to lose. You're going to wake up again tomorrow. You're going to go back to your family. You go eat. You go shower. It's no the end of the world. There's a lot more people worse off. And it's just about learning, especially at the amateur stage. And, you know, I try and... I try and tell that to people as well, you know, when they're fighting amateur and obviously if somebody's just lost and even pro, I mean, uh, it's just, it doesn't matter really sometimes what somebody says to you after a loss, you're devastated and stuff, but it's true. It's just, you know what, it could be worse. You you live to fight another day um, and think about the positives and that's where it comes down to, again, I'm totally shouting out Anne Bitherland because I, I liked his fear bubble book that much that I read his zero negativity book um that's the last book i've read and uh and that's honestly changed my mentality in terms of just thinking positive and yes. no matter what happens in life there's two ways of thinking about something you can think of all the negatives and be depressed or you can think positive and, and just feel better um and sometimes it's very hard when you're in such a negative uh mindset or whatever to see any of the positives i've been there but i'm so negative and people try to tell me the positives and sometimes it's like you're stuck in this trap yeah but, uh, but yeah it's just thinking of the positives like so i i know that's kind of a long answer but uh it's no but it's great it's worst case scenario you think of the positives basically like if you go out and you lose Aye, it's rubbish, you lost, but what's the positive? One, you're going to learn, why did you lose? You need to go work on this, this, and this. The other positives, I'm going home to my kids. I'm, I'm, then, I'm obviously, when, it, when you're professional, you're getting a wage for win or lose, usually. So you've earned money. It's just thinking of all the positives, really, rather than the negatives, because, um, like I said, if you think of all the negatives, it can really put you in a depressing state. One of the things that after the, the, the Johnson fight, we want to sort of touch on you leaving the UFC. And we, 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 I've read different things. And I'd just like to hear from, from you, because obviously the, the, the story has a, an, an incredible positive outcome in the end. But at that point, we'd like to sort of know where you was at, because it was all looking pretty decent. And then all of a sudden... You wasn't no longer in the UFC. Like, can you explain to Stevie what happened there? Yeah, so I mean, I had eleven fights in the UFC altogether. I won seven and lost four. It's a pretty decent record. Uh, I mean, UFC is the Champions League of MMA. It's pretty hard to, you know, stay undefeated. Very rarely has anyone stayed undefeated. You know, there's uh, exception to Khabib and you know, a couple of others, but. Um, yeah, it's like the the top league. Um, I was doing pretty well. Seven wins, four losses. Beat some good names, lost by some good names as well. My last win, uh, Michael Johnson, was probably probably at the time the biggest win in my career. Um, I remember my manager, uh, who's still my manager, Ali Abdelaziz. Um, he came to me. So I had signed a fight to fight Mark D. Casey. Um, we were due to fight UFC London, um, and I was getting bothered with my knee. This has been for years. Um, Jess and Ayari fight, Cajun Johnson fight, 
Um, and even the Michael Johnson fight, like I almost pulled out uh, against Johnson. Um, so yeah, it got it got to the point I was early in the camp. Uh, you know, I, I seen Mark was training his arse off. Obviously, I seen it online. He's training. I'm sitting at home on my couch, icing money for days. And I tried to obviously then ice money, go back to training. I would train, it would swell up huge, um, back to ice and blah, blah, blah. So I pulled out for the first time in my career, um, pulled out of the fight. Um, then the whole show got cancelled because of COVID. So I should have just stuck around, I would have got paid. I heard they all got their show money. But, um, <laughs> no, God. but uh, yeah, then, then all of a sudden, um, you know, my manager was saying about signing somewhere else, and uh, I wasn't really up for it. I, I was like, well, no, because after the Johnson fight, I actually signed a new four-fight contract um, after that. So I hadn't even fought any of the fights yet. And he was just saying... So about, what, like, why were you being suggested to potentially sign somewhere else if you had a four-fight deal with the, with the UFC? What was the logic behind that? Was there was there well, talk behind the scenes of other organisations well, yeah, wanting I, you and there's more money? I was so confused at the time where I didn't really understand what was going on. But basically, the UFC doctor, one, one of the doctors, I think it was Jeff Davidson, um, uh, didn't believe that my knee was in any way fit to fight, whether they meant ever fight again or fight in the next. There was no short-term fix for money. He basically said money is fucked. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, and that there wouldn't be a short-term fix. Uh, the UFC asked me to go and get orthopedic clearance when I was asking for a fight. Um, this is when Fight Island and all that was going on. So um, so I went and got orthopedic clearance. Um, I went and seen an orthopedic. He basically said, your knee is in a pretty shit way. Um, it is very damaged, but I don't see why you couldn't fight. Like, basically saying, my knees, I can still fight, but I've not got a great knee, basically. Um, and and it's just arthritis and cartilage problems. It's not like it's I've got an ACL tear or anything like that where it's unstable. It's just, you know, painful um, at the time, anyway. So, uh, so, yeah, so I got the orthopedic clearance, and I, I didn't know if they were shocked that I got it so quick and, and gave them it. Um, because I mean I, I'm being like a third wheel a wee bit like I'm, I'm only hearing what my manager's saying and then obviously my manager's yep. hearing what the UFC's saying I'm not speaking directly to them but yeah Ali was just saying maybe about signing with Bellator and I'm like and I was saying like why why sign like I've got a four fight contract and I don't I think he was scared to tell me like the UFC want to get rid of you um, that's what I think he was scared to tell me like he, he wasn't what he like uh, just come out with it. Like the UFC are wanting yeah. to get rid of you because the UFC doctor has advised that your knee is fucked. 
Um, so that that was basically the script. I spoke to Shelby later after this whole thing, and he explained to me as well, like it wasn't them that wanted to get rid of me. It was the you know it was the the UFC doctor that advised my knee isn't in a good position. Um, so yeah, that that's pretty much what happened. I mean, uh, we that so I then after back and forth, and I was kind of like no wanting to do it, but then then I, I was almost like I felt like. I was told, look, there's not a choice here. That it seemed like there was a choice to start with, but and then it, as yeah. I kept saying, oh, I'll stay with the UFC, I've signed a new four-fight contract, it started getting to the point where I'm like, it's kind of not a choice. Like, you, you're going to go as a free agent or they're going to cut you and tell everybody why. Um, and then you wouldn't be able to sign with anybody else either. So so I was like, right, it's better to go as a free agent then because they'll go cut me anyway. Um I'll, and then I'll try and sign with another company. So that was the plan. Uh, obviously, bad timing. COVID was here. Fucking the world was falling apart. Um, everything was getting shut down. Um, and yeah, that's why it took so long to... And then, then after a bit of time, my knee was bad at that time. So my knee was all swollen still. I was still obviously had the injury. And uh, yeah, I was like, I remember... I, Briefly, I pulled over at the side of the road, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm I'm announcing to everybody that I'm retired from MMA." And I was almost just hurt, you know. I was hurt. Yeah. And I had worked my arse off for the past ten yeah. years plus to to then win the biggest fight in my life or career to then uh, for that to happen. So I was a bit pissed off. Uh, with the sport, if you like, I was just like, yeah, uh, I was just like, you know what, fuck him. And understandably, that's you know, yeah, do totally. you, you have an emotional reaction to that. You 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 work so hard, you get one of the biggest wins of your career, four fight deal. The knee goes, COVID happens. That's completely understandable that you have that reaction. Um, but as we alluded to earlier, it's it seems to have worked out pretty well for you now yeah. because you you decided to to end up going to the PFL and. From the outside looking in, it is to me. It's like a rocky story. It's like you've got a situation where you know you 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 sort of retired. You had the knee troubles. You didn't fight for the best part of two and a half years or, or, or three years or whatever it was. And then you you come back. Your first fight, you unfortunately lost that fight. And then you fight in Anthony Pettis in your second fight, who you know probably the biggest name that you'd fought. Uh, uh, to date, yeah. ever, yeah. I mean, the guy that was on the Wheaties box, the guy that was a former UFC lightweight champion. Um, th- this was a huge moment, and everyone, I think, was going, "Oh well, Pettis is going to win this fight, isn't he?" And then you come along and do that unbelievable, like, was it a modified <laughs> yeah. twister submission that everyone goes fucking nuts for? And not only do you beat him in the second round because with the point system in the PFL, you get through to the semifinals. You then have to fight Anthony Pettis again. Six weeks later, and again, people are either going, oh, Pettis will get his revenge. That was like a, a lucky sub or whatever it was. It's such a unique thing. And then you beat him again in a completely different way. And now you're one fight away, one win away from a million dollars. It's, 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 just, it's, it's a rocky story. It's a great thing. Did, 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 are you aware of how much of a, a great story it is for the fans to watch this happen to you? Hello. <laughs> yeah, the family's just came home, so yeah. here. I'll be five minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, 
sometimes it still feels a bit surreal. And uh, and because of, you know, where I was at before even signing with the PFL, like, I was doubting. Like, because even though I retired in an emotional kind of way, it then started getting to the point where I'm like, I don't know if I will, if I will ever fight again. It's been that long. Yeah. And uh, because after I retired, I remember, uh, you know, a couple of weeks gone by and me then figured like, fuck, like, what am I going to do now? <laughs> 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 I've just retired for MMA. The thing I've done for the last 10 years, I'm fucking no good at anything else. I'm not wanting to go back to the, I'm not wanting to go back to the building site and being a laborer and, yeah, I was almost a bit lost. I'm like, what the fuck will I do with my life? Um, you know, I had coaching, but it's not quite the same and uh in terms of thrill and then money and stuff as well. So I then uh, yeah, then like you said, I had my uh my comeback fight and you know, I made some mistakes. I feel like the ring rust played a big part in that. Uh, props to Martinez for getting the win, obviously. But yeah, I made a lot of mistakes and kind of gave the fight away. Um, to then get to get Pettis, you know, uh, like I knew I was good enough to to get the win, and uh, I hit him with that twister that no a lot of people had seen. Um, that went a wee bit viral. But it's a bit surreal sometimes, you know, because I was quite a fan of you know Pettis as well. Like I, I yeah. watched him in the UFC. He's been the champion. He's I remember even walking to the arena. Like, this is the second time as well. That's how much, like... Yeah. That's how famous he is. Walking to Madison Square Garden, uh, literally, when we were getting picked up, walking to the arena to go and fight, I remember looking at him, still thinking, like, that's Anthony Pitt. Fucking hell, like... <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing his... Uh, he was wearing his uh, vest that we got to the New York... Uh, Lakers, um, or sorry, the New York Yankees uh, basketball top. He had the shades on, and yeah, he just looked fucking. He looked pretty cool, to be fair. Rich kid. Um, yeah, I remember looking at him the, the second time, like just thinking, like fucking, like a bit stunned that you know it's still like walking that. And then, then the other part of my brain's like, shut the fuck up, you're about to go and fight him. Um, you know, get get that mindset. But uh, it literally worked. Yeah, it's like worked out the best for me. The first fight, yeah, it would have been good to win that as well. But it's almost like even a wee bit even cooler the fact that I needed to win. I needed the stoppage. I got the stoppage. It was a wee bit, went a wee bit viral. You know, then, like you said, immediate rematch. Everybody thinks maybe it was a bit of luck. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I proved everybody again yeah. you know I beat him by decision and uh, and now I'm like you said my next fight is for a million dollars I mean, it's it's a it's a phenomenal story, mate. And, and look, your your family's just come back. We don't want to keep you. We've I've, I've really loved chatting to you, but I have to ask you before you go if it's all right. You've got Olivier Aubon Mercier in the final. I don't know when and where that's happening. I'm assuming you know. I don't know if you can say uh, when and where that's happening, but. OAM is a former UFC uh, fighter as well. Um, how do you feel you match up to Olivier Aubin Mercier, and how's that fight going to go, in your opinion? Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure the fight is November 25th. I'm pretty sure that's, yep. uh, you know, it's out there. Like, you can probably find that that's where it is. Yep. Where it is, I'm still not sure where it is. It was meant to be Vegas. 
But uh, yeah, they've changed it. Um, and we're waiting to hear back where it is. So hopefully we hear soon. Cause that, me, like an idiot, went and booked uh, I booked the wife flights to Vegas uh, for that day. And then <laughs> now, now they've changed it. And it, and it was non-refundable flights. Uh, so yeah, I've had to try and request a refund. But because uh, I looked at changing it and stuff, and I do think uh, it just seemed too much hassle. And the 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 destination where I think it's maybe going to be wasn't giving me the option to change it to that place. So um, I mean, it's somewhere in America, uh, but um, still waiting to hear exactly where it will be. It's eleven weeks tomorrow, so uh, yeah, eleven weeks away. Um, and uh, yeah, I feel like we're quite similar. Like, I think he had 11 or 12 fights in the UFC. Uh, yeah. Maybe 11. One was the ultimate fighter. So uh, 11 or 12, I've not, I've not exactly counted. But um, uh, And yeah, I'm the same. I had 11 fights in the UFC as well. We're both self-paws. We both have big left hands. We're both, we're both pretty decent sized for the, for the weight. Both strong. Uh, both decent wrestlers. Um, yeah, I feel like we're actually pretty similar. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I've obviously been biased, but I just think nobody wants it as much as me or needs it as much as me. He's not yeah. got four. He's not got four kids to feed. Um, yeah. so <laughs> I'm going to train my arse off for the the next eleven weeks. And you know what? If I lose, then he's definitely the better man because I'm going to train like um, like there's no tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to put everything into this for the past 12 years of my life the ups, the downs, the everything the, um, it's all for this one night so you better believe that everybody's going to see the best TVA ever uh, and yeah I'll be obviously coming to you know take his arm, take his head, his leg anything I'll be doing whatever I can to get the win um, nice, Bill. Can't wait to see it, mate. Absolutely, absolutely. cannot wait. Best, best of luck on Nove- November twenty fifth. Did you say November twenty fifth? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure it's November twenty fifth, somewhere in yep. America. Uh, nice. Yeah, man. Yeah. Nice. Lovely. Well, yeah, can't wait, mate. Look, we'll let you get to your family. We know that uh, they've just walked in and we've taken up loads of your time. That, um, was, the, that and, was the wife just saying she's away to walk yeah. the dog, and I think that was her trying to get yeah. my attention to say. I did meet your wife at the PFL London, so say hi for me. Hello. <laughs> nice to see you again. How are you doing? Oh, starstruck. <laughs> well so was I you came, you came over and said hi I was like can I say hi to Stevie please <laughs> Stephen, I was like you said that I can get a picture but only if you can get a picture with him <laughs> yeah, that's funny. yeah I thought I was getting I thought I was getting ditched with the kids there but she's taking them yeah. uh, taking them where so all good well, uh, nice lovely well uh, as I say we've taken up loads of your time I could, I could speak to you all day Stevie it's been great and Best of luck in the PFL final. Absolutely, One fight mate. away from a million dollars. It's going to be great. I appreciate it for having you on. It was good chatting with you guys. Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You too. Man. Well, Lovely. when you win and when you're a millionaire, you'll come back on. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Definitely, man. That's it. Yeah, nice one, man. Right. All the Thanks best. Thanks, Stevie. Cheers, See you, man. See you later, boys. Bye. <laughs>
There you go, Stevie Ray. What an absolute diamond. Absolutely brilliant. It gave such great answer. Uh, do you know what? I've got like a whole page full of questions that I didn't get yeah. to ask, but his family yeah. came in and I was like, oh, we have taken up loads of your time already. I probably told him it was like a half an hour chat and we had it for about 45 minutes. But um, So yeah, so I could have asked him loads of more questions, but he gave such insightful, detailed answers. I absolutely loved yeah. it. Um, and as I say, I, I could have I could have spoke to him for longer. Just such a lovely, down to earth guy. The way he spoke about the anxiety he can get before yeah. fights, but then how he deals with that. Giving Ant Middleton a bunch oh. of shout outs on this podcast. Are we sponsored you know by Ant Middleton? Can we get that? Can that work? Can that that was that was the personal highlight for me when he was talking about compartmentalizing like the anxiety and the fear and parking it up. Your face like just screamed what. Yeah. How do you do that? That's why he does what he does, and that's what yeah. we do what we yeah. do. We no, can't do that. Absolutely. Isn't fear just this like tsunami of emotions that you can't do anything <laughs> to stop? No, no, no. It can be stopped. Oh, okay, fair enough, mate. Just need to have I've a just strong got this, brain. Like, this knee-jerk reaction it literally just throws me into the fetal position on the floor and on a good day I won't wet myself like yeah. that's that's how <laughs> that's I deal it. with it that's it that'd be me but no but man that was super super interesting and I really I wanted him to ask him more questions about like he's, he's yeah. family, like four kids and being a fighter like what is yeah. that like how's that but I mean um you know the, the the main things are we, we, he gave some phenomenal answers. It was a great chat, and God, I really, really hope he wins. I think Olivier Aubin Mercier seems like a lovely man, but mm. we know Stevie Ray is a great guy, yeah. really great family guy. He's got, we want the Rocky story. We want the Rocky story, and it really is. And if you haven't caught any of his action on the on the PFL. You can go back and, and look at it. It's on the um, Channel 4 Sport YouTube page, I think, or 4OD or, or any any of those kind of things. And you can find, like, the PFL stuff. He was so brilliant in those, yeah. in those two fights against Anthony Pettis. They were absolutely phenomenal. So, uh, so yeah. He Watch so that well. stoppage if you haven't seen it. Oh, that that stoppage. Like, I watched it live and I remember thinking, what, what has he just done there? Yeah. Like, it, I'd never seen anything like that before. It was wonderful. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, so go check um, go check that out if you get a chance. Also, while you're over on that 4OD, you can see Mr. Harrison talking <laughs> all things PFL with former guest Dan Hardy. Yes, yes, you can. You can see that. But, uh, I mean, more importantly, go and watch that modified twister. And even that, that three-round fight that Stevie had with uh, with Anthony Pettis as well. I mean, it's just it's just such a great story. I get such a feel-good vibe from it. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's just... It's just lovely to see someone like Stevie who's come through that adversity. The UFC, as he said, effectively wanting to cut him because a doctor had given them bad information. Because mm. let's be honest, the UFC must be looking at that now and going, hang on a minute, we cut this guy after he had his best win in the UFC and now he's one fight away from being the PFL champion. That's... They've got to be frustrated Oops. about that. But yeah, someone has dropped the ball there. Um, yeah. So yeah, but but good for Stevie. I don't think he's complaining. He's having more high. He headlined Madison Square Garden, for goodness sake. He's probably on way more money than what he was in the UFC. And as we said, one fight away from a million, one million dollars. <laughs> so God, I yeah, I really hope he wins and then we get him back on the show. And Brendan. Brendan as well. It'd be great yeah. to have two British PFL champions. So yeah, best of luck Absolutely. to them in November. 
Absolutely. Um, give us a follow. We're on all the social media platforms. If you uh, if you do that, you can keep up to speed. We put some like when we see fight announcements and that, we'll generally post that up there, and we'll, we'll share a lot of news in our in our stories as well. So you can kind of get a little fix of all things that are happening in the world of MMA. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, you're late to the party, but don't worry, don't worry. You, you're more than welcome. Uh, you've missed a lot though, and uh, as, as Blake mentioned, um, we've, we've had Brendan. Uh, on the show go check that episode out um fellow scott uh we've had paul craig on uh we've had jojo uh jojo wood not called wood anymore jojo wood um and we've had a real who's who of of british ufc uh and mixed martial arts uh other mixed martial arts uh, organizations fighters on as well and not just fighters we've had amazing chats with former fighters like dan hardy mike bispin uh, and people that work, you know, in, in the world of MMA, people like Mark Goddard, like that. We shout about this episode a lot because it's a lovely snapshot um, behind the curtain of MMA to find out what it's like, you know, being a third man in the octagon. Highly recommend that episode. And yeah, we've had some absolute superstars on as well. Alexander Volkanovsky. Is he now the pound for pound? He's got to be, right? He's now the pound for pound guy since Leon B. Usman. Volkanovsky's the pound for pound guy. Uh, you mentioned Dan Hardy there. I mean, Arnold Allen, Paddy Pimblett, Molly McCann, and we've said this on a few episodes. If you go back to find the first, like, so Matt, Molly and, and Paddy, I think I've both been on about three times now. But if yeah. you go back to those first episodes that we had with with Molly, with Paddy, and then the episode Nathaniel said, Wood, Nathaniel Woods, another one. If you go back to those, you get the kind of chats that we had today that are kind of about their career and and what drove them to MMA and and, and what drives them still to become champions. And, and things like that and insight into their mindset and stuff and uh, that's the kind of thing that hopefully you, you get more on this show than maybe on, on some others because there's a lot of other shows out there that will be talking about what's the fight you've just had what's the up coming fight but we like to try and get a bit more personal so that you get a bit more of a, a detailed look at who your favourite fighters are and, and you can hopefully if there's someone that you didn't know too well you know them a lot more after listening to them on our show so do go through the back catalogues and check out our chats with the likes of Arnold Allen Volkanovski uh, and, and Tyron like, Woodley Tyron Woodley as well we mentioned there and uh, yeah so there's so many now it's, it's been a who's who of of British and, and world MMA. And then when you think of America as well, we've had people like Derek Brunson on the show as well. And uh, we've got an episode with Angela Josh. Angela Hill. Angela Hill is another one. Ricky Simone. Uh, yeah. And uh, and we've got one with, with Josh Emmett as well at the moment. So do check those out. Absolutely. We'll be back next time. See you soon. Bye.